Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. I am here with my guest today. Why don't you introduce yourself, what religion you left, and tell us your story. Hi, my name is Asher. I left the Brighamite sect of the Mormon Church, and that's what most people know as the mainstream LDS. And what was the last question? (laughs) And then just tell us your story. I left the LDS church in my 20s after being a faithful member my entire life. I was raised in the church by convert parents and knew from a very young age that I was a little bit different. And I knew something was different about me, but didn't have words for it until my 20s when I found out that I was intersex and realized that I am non-binary. I had to choose between a pious and righteous death and not being here anymore because I couldn't keep following the church's teachings and still be alive. Or... I could choose to have a sinful life, but be alive. And so I walked away from the church in 2015, still thinking that it was true, but thinking that it was my only option to prevent myself from killing myself. So what kind of issues led you to feel like if you said you would kill yourself? Well, a large part of it was just being raised binary, in a binary church, but knowing that every bit of myself was grading against that, being raised to be less than the men that I was being raised alongside, being expected to be a mom, and knowing that something was going on with my body and I didn't think I was going to ever be able to have kids. And I I was right, I can't have kids. (laughs) So a lot of things... Uh, getting my my patriarchal blessing when I was like 14 or 15 and it talks about how I'm going to have special spirits come into my home and it had a lot of big promises in that blessing that scared the crap out of me too. <laughs> so where you obviously felt different, what was it like going through young women's and organizations like that? It was constantly painful. I felt like I was constantly having to hide pieces of myself or like I almost felt like trying to be a, a circle, trying to cut parts of yourself off so that you fit through a square hole. It really just felt like I was a shadow of myself. I was shy. I was anxious around people. I had a really hard time opening up or talking to people or sharing things with anyone And I was desperately trying to perform femininity to the degree the church wanted, because if you go too far, they criticize you for it and they, like, they punish you for being too feminine and too, you know, made up or too pretty. And then conversely, they also expect you to be feminine enough in order to, I guess, qualify for men's attention in the church and find a husband and get taken to the temple. Like that's your only purpose in the church. And I didn't want my only purpose to either be wife and mother or, Oh, you could always be like Sherry do and become an author. 
that's a, that's a noble calling, being a single woman and a writer. Now, don't get me wrong. Sherry Dew seems like a lovely person in her own right, if that's what she wanted to do. But I didn't want to be a writer either. <laughs> I just know that she's always been held up the, as the example in the LDS church of what happens when you can't catch a husband. And I think that's so fucking condescending (laughs) because they are looking down upon this accomplished woman with a career because she isn't married. So now you have left the church. Do you still talk with your family? How is that for you? I am in regular contact with one member of my family, the other person who has actually left the church, my sister. The rest of my family kind of interacts with me on Facebook or will tag me in things that make them think of me, but we don't talk often. I don't think they've called me on the phone in like at least a year since I came out as intersex and non-binary and almost died of COVID the following like two weeks later. So that was a roller coaster (laughs) of holy shit is God punishing me for coming out publicly as non-binary had a little bit of a mental breakdown on that one. I'm okay now. <laughs> now, is your family affirming of you? My sister is. My sister is fantastic. She has been super supportive of using my pronouns and calling me Asher since day one. And my extended family has quite a few people that are really on board. My mom's younger brother and his family are accepting because they, in their opinion, it's not their business to tell me who I am. I know who I am and they accept that. And then like my mom's younger brother, my mom's younger brother who has passed away, his ex-wife and all of their kids are pretty accepting of me. And then I also have a trans masculine cousin named Simon, who's an awesome person and was one of the first people I told when I realized and before I came out publicly. Love him to bits. I love my cousin Simon. But no, my immediate family is either not saying anything, but, you know, kind of publicly a little bit bothered by how LGBT people are treated in the church. Like, so my extended family is all Catholic and my immediate family is all Mormon. So they're either that or my mom is publicly transphobic and I have to have her blocked on Facebook because I can't, I can't interact with her in a healthy manner that is not damaging to me right now. And my therapist does not want me interacting with my mother until she can meet me on a plane where I'm not going to end up trying to hurt myself. Because basically my coming out post was, hey, everybody, I found out that I'm intersex, which underpins the other feelings that I've had inside of me my whole life that I'm non-binary. But I just found out the words for that, you know, in like 2017, I started making friends who were non-binary and like openly used they, them pronouns. And I found that that made me feel really good. And then I decided I wanted to change my name because my my birth name 
or what many trans people call their dead name or their former name is much more feminine. And I never really felt a connection to it. (laughs) And yeah, it's, it's just, it's hard being called by this hyper feminized name my entire life that never really felt like it fit. And I constantly use nicknames. Like my nickname, my whole childhood has been puppy or my sister called me beast (laughs) because I was like 12 and I was taller than her already. The LDS church has actually given me a really hard time and a runaround with getting my name removed. Like you have to send in notarized documents and everything. And like, I I just want to be, not LDS anymore, but apparently my using a different name publicly uh, doesn't actually connect me to their records in the church. But also, I kind of want to talk about how a feminized name didn't work for me and why I chose the name that I did. So my birth name is actually Bethany Alicia Click. It's a perfectly lovely name. It's a very lovely name for someone who feels feminine maybe for me i went by beth or clicky or puppy or beast or i had other nicknames amazon because i didn't want to be called bethany because it didn't feel like me it's it feels like putting on a jacket and you can just tell that it was fitted for someone just slightly smaller than you or Or like if you put on a pair of shoes that someone else has broken in and you can like feel where their foot patterns are in the foam, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like your shoe. It feels like a shoe someone else handed you. And that's very similar to how I was raised because I was raised wearing hand-me-downs and clothing that I never picked out for myself. So of course it's fitting that my name was the same way. I was wearing hand-me-down Boy Scout shirts. Why Why shouldn't I also be wearing a hand-me-down name that my mom picked out for a LARPing character like 10 years before I was born? <laughs> and, you know, why, why wouldn't my middle name be one that is the same as my sister's? Because she was so upset that we weren't both named Andrea, which is hilarious because she was like, six (laughs) she was just like why isn't why isn't the baby going to be named the same as me because you have to get this both of my older brothers are named jonathan (laughs) my parents were single parents and raising their kids and met each other and thought it was hilarious while they were dating that they both had a boy named jonathan and then they got married and moved in together and realized how difficult it was having two boys with the same first name in the same school like a year and a half apart in age oh my gosh so so many difficulties so my brothers have been called by nicknames their entire lives basically like since they were children big john and lj like or ferret or whatever they wanted to be called they were called because they shared a name and they had to have a nickname. So it's especially frustrating for me, like telling people, Hey, this is the name I want to be called by. Here is why I chose it. And not being out and non-binary means that I would have killed myself because I was tired of cutting off pieces of myself to fit into the LDS church. 
And so I chose Asher. And uh, two reasons. One, it's been used in the Hebrew, and I like the meaning of it in Hebrew. And then the other meaning is it's old Sumerian, um, and it's a Sumerian god of archery. And I've been shooting archery since I was six. And I just had a really deep connection with this name as soon as I saw it in a way that I never felt about my birth name. And it was really hard explaining all of this and how important it was to me and why I chose the name and that I was literally experiencing suicidal ideation when dealing with my dysphoria and that if I didn't live my true life, I was not going to be here anymore and that no amount of therapy is going to fix that because I've talked about it to death in therapy and they can't fix it without me transitioning and living a gender affirming life. And after explaining all of that, my mom's response was, I don't know about your siblings, but this is too much for your father and I basically are not going to use your name and pronouns after I just got done explaining that me living a gender affirming life is suicide prevention. My mom told me in different words that she would rather have me not be alive anymore than have me be out as trans. When we have a family history of suicide. So don't do that to your kids. Don't tell them that you would rather have them dead than treat them as a human being. We should probably move on to something less sad now. <laughs> I feel like we just we brought out down the tone a little bit. No, movie not. Are you happy now? Yeah. And I mean, that's who lives through a pandemic? Who is an extrovert who has not seen friends for many, many months? Who almost died from COVID? who who went through all of this suffering in the last year, year and a half. And yes, I'm still happier now being out than trying to be something I'm not. And frankly, I don't think God made me to be. I don't think that if there is a God, that the God would have made me to be non-binary and intersex only to have an entire world that they also intentionally set up to torture people like me. Or if there is a God that did that, I don't want to worship them and they can go fuck themselves because <laughs> that's sick. So now where I'm, I consider myself an ally and but you are obviously part of the alphabet mafia. Can you explain a little bit more about, transsexual versus intersex versus all those nuances antiquated term i just kind of use that to show like that it's moved from transsexual to transgender intersex the ways it's changed so the current terms most people are using and this is also terms evolve over time and so sometimes people are still using former terms for themselves because that's how they identify based on when they came out And we still leave room for those people. Generally, right now, most of us call ourselves transgender because we identify as or we are a gender that 
other people have told us we're not basically like they're like oh this is what you are and we're like actually this is what we am that was terrible grammar but (laughs) you get what i mean (laughs) that they tell you you're like blue and you're like no actually i'm more of like a light magenta and they're like no you're definitely blue and you're like but i know i'm light magenta inside like you know whatever you are on the inside and people are telling you what you are and you're like trying to match that up and they the shapes don't fit it doesn't compute because you're like this is not a thing so for most of us we inherently know what we are from a very very young age we know who we are from a very young age and it's only in areas where people are strictly gendering us our entire lives in my case telling me what i was literally allowed to wear or how long my hair was allowed to be based on the gen- the sex that they had assigned to me which they also correlate with gender which is not it they're not the same thing and it it was really frustrating being raised in a binary church while trying to navigate this because I didn't have an open area with which to navigate things. And so there's a lot of trauma associated with kind of like being in a sandpaper room and you keep getting bumped into the walls and it feels like your skin's getting scraped. It's like a little injury every time it happens and it just gets to the point where you can't heal because there's just so much scarring there from all of those little traumas so the other one was intersex now many people are still stuck on oh we're they're hermaphrodites aren't they hermaphrodite is kind of an antiquated term we are working more with the term intersex because it's basically a broader way of describing what are a very wide range of conditions that have been noticed that cause somebody to be somewhere in between what is normally known as male and female, what people are taught is male and female. So like secondary sex characteristics that are of a sex other than what you were assigned as at birth, or you have two stages of puberty. Um, Some people have chromosomes that are X and Y and develop completely female and are capable of giving birth look it up there are articles and papers written on it so there's a wide variety of these conditions that fit under this umbrella and so it's a lot it's a lot more inclusive than the term hermaphrodite is because that is usually only thought of being uh genitalia and that's so that's that's like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to intersex conditions. There's also mosaic DNA. There's having different karyotypes. So it's really important that we broaden the term kind of to help with all of these other people who have suffered throughout our lives because people make fun of us for having differences to our bodies, to how we look to how we sound and i mean some of these things are are frustrating for me like i grow a mustache it's never a thick full mustache but it's there Um, (laughs) so i could either shave it all the time or i could just let it grow in Eh, mustache right like so i run with it i have 
uh, sideburns. I actually got them shaved today. But I normally have the sideburns of a Civil War general. And I was being raised as a girl. And so people look at a 19-year-old who they think is a girl and say, oh, girls don't have sideburns. Girls don't have facial hair. And I mean, one, that's very much dependent on genetics. And two, plenty of women do have facial hair. They've just been taught that they have to remove it for aesthetic reasons or health reasons, which are completely falsified. And so these really rigid roles that people are expected to be in damages both the people, those that are expected to be in that role and anyone that slightly steps outside of it. Because how many women would prefer to just go to the beach in whatever bathing suit they choose and not have somebody criticize them for having leg hair or armpit hair or what have you? Like, you shouldn't have to do an entire beauty routine for an hour before leaving the house (laughs) in order to not have strangers bully you. Because that's the kind of day that I have. I'll, I leave the house every day expecting to possibly get hate crimed that day. Just because I'm visibly question mark. <laughs> like people look at me and there's a giant question mark over their head because they don't know what gender I am. And that's kind of the point. I am a genderless void. But also at the same time, highly fluid in my gender. And so it confuses people and then they get upset about it. People that are confused or don't understand get angry. And that's one of the reasons we got to normalize just talking about this shit. (laughs) Did you receive any kind of behavior that's consistent with hate crimes when you were at church? I had men that I was dating as an adult tell me that I wasn't feminine enough. And that's why they were unhappy with me but expected me to immediately conform to whatever their expectation of femininity was, but didn't feel like they had to voice it. He basically told me that and just kind of expected me to go look up talks and figure out how I wasn't being feminine enough and then conform to his expectations of what a Mormon woman was supposed to be. I think it's because I looked better than a kilt than he did. So I can't really blame him on that when I'm hot. Uh, <laughs> but other times like yeah i definitely had people walk up to me and like call me hairy or call me an eight or call me a gorilla or sneer at me and like snub me at dances because i was too tall or i was too muscular or i was too hairy and i had people like ask if i was in the right bathroom because they noticed the mustache before they noticed i had titties like They'd always just police where I was supposed to be, if I was doing the right thing, if I was who I said I was, if I was the gender I said I was, which, I mean, I wasn't. I was non-binary the whole time, but that wasn't one of the options on the list. Um, So they were constantly policing me in what I was supposed to be doing. And I think that's one of the reasons I thrived at girls camp, because it was the only place where my desire to wear big baggy shirts and long shorts was totally okay because we were expected to be modestly dressed but also like nobody criticized me if I didn't shave my legs all week 
because we were at camp and that was okay to be hairy because we did not need to perform femininity for any of the boys our age, I guess. Um, It was like the only time of year that I was just allowed to be my, my little raccoon self (laughs) out in the wild doing archery and kayaking and stuff. And that was the only time of year that I really felt, I mean, then in like winter when I was allowed to wear tights and then I could wear opaque tights without shaving my legs. Like those are the only times of year that I felt really comfortable. The rest of the time it was constant microaggressions, just constant, constant policing of my body, my tone of voice, everything. Now, do you have any tips for people who are looking to leave? So what I ended up doing was moving to a different state, which I really found gave me that break from in-person seeing my family long enough that I could start making changes to how I dressed and how I presented myself and try out different hairstyles and things like that without them being super close by and like policing how I looked. It did mean that I took literally everything I had, got in a U-Haul, moved to another state, stayed with somebody for two weeks until I found an apartment, and like I had to have an exit plan. And I did end up picking the wrong person and ended up being in an abusive relationship for the next year and a half. So it is very important that you find somebody that you maybe aren't distracted by how romantically or sexually involved you are with the person, and maybe just someone you can see as a friend who is helping you get out of the situation so that you're not moving from one abusive relationship into another. Definitely be cautious about who you choose as your exit person, but very much get an exit person. Start establishing a new identity for yourself in a new location that you have scouted out online or in person on a trip and then go and get away (laughs) and give yourself some space to finally decide who you are and just kind of figure yourself out before you have to be anything new. Those are great tips. Anything you want to leave before we wrap this up today? I think one of the coolest things about being intersex is that I have a four octave vocal range. And I don't think enough people appreciate that a lot of people throughout history who were really talented artists are LGBTQIA. Well, it's been great having you today, and thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.